three, two, one. Oh, I just you just hit your mic. mic. <laughs> yeah, I just smashed the pop that. filter, which then hit the mic. So, okay. <laughs> okay, yikes. Uh, well, it seemed like it was uh, something I could sync up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to do that again, I, I don't know. If it, should, it, should, it should be fine, honestly. Okay. Yeah, this is a this is a fun mic. It makes a lot of metal noises when you. I mean, we we all know about the the fun like spring slash gong noise. <laughs> I don't that know. If, wait, have people actually heard that here? Did you do that on a podcast? I think you were just doing that on my stream. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, everything blurs together, honestly. Um, so, yeah, there's this, like, it, it's basically like there's springs that, like, hold the thing up that you could basically pluck, and it makes this awful noise, <laughs> which now everybody that listens to the podcast can enjoy. Uh, it. <laughs> it's the gong sound effect. Speaking of sound effects, I feel like I've forgotten about the bell for the past episode or two. Yeah, you definitely have. I have to remember what it is, honestly. Um, hmm. Okay, I think I, I think I know what it is. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> the bell has changed. Watch out. <laughs> I mean, it's the same as whatever it last was. I just don't haven't been remembering to think about it. Well, it sounds like you like forgot what it was, and maybe you misremembered what it might be. I hope not. I think I got it. <laughs> that would be confusing. Well, um, if you haven't noticed, this is Layer by Layer, a great, wonderful podcast about cakes and food and <laughs> bells and yep. definitely not cubing. Those are the things that it's about. And you can talk about it on Reddit at um, Reddit. At Reddit. At Reddit on Twitter. The Twitter account. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just at Reddit, Twitter account with everything about layer by layer, and I'm sure that it, people will find it and discuss it with you. Yeah, it'll work. Um, just just go in like the at mentions of whatever Reddit's latest um, tweet is, yep. and, and look at the replies there, and then you'll be able to discuss the show. Or you can talk about it on Speed Solving. I don't know if they have a Twitter account. Our logo is made by Sarah Olson, and those are the things we say at the start of every show. Kit, do you know what day it is? Uh, it is almost September. That's right. And do you know what that means? That means it is time to check up on some bad prediction I made. Yes, I indeed. Imagine. It's after <laughs> August 23rd, 2020. And Kit, is Colin Burns still in the top 100 for 3x3? Uh, yeah, I'm sure he is. <laughs> Let, let's do an official check. Yeah, this this prediction turned out to be unfair because I didn't know what 2020 was going to be like. <laughs> I really should have made a lot of like crazy predictions that went the other way that like that would have been crazy to think about if competitions were not happening, but yeah. <laughs> that was one that required a lot of competitions to be happening to break. Yeah, and this was specifically for single, right? Because I don't even know if he's in it for average anyway. Yep, he is 58th. <laughs> Not even close. Yeah, I should have done some crazy prediction about how someone will remain in the top X. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that might have had a chance right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's mark that one off as incorrect. Perfect. Um, and update your score. So I think that's actually all of your predictions that you've made. I still have a couple of predictions that I made that haven't been done because they were based on when multi-blind uh, world records would happen, which... You know, it's kind of frozen. <laughs> but for you, you have gotten two of your predictions correct. 
out of one, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> seven, eight, nine. Yeah, you know what? That's ten. Uh, no, two out of ten. Twenty percent. That's actually uh, about what I expected for intentionally making bad predictions that sound believable. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, I, it means that I I accomplished the goal I wanted to with that, <laughs> that segment. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's that's officially the end of uh, bad predictions of the day for Kit for now. Yeah. Maybe we'll bring it back one day. Yeah. But until then, you have our other end segments that we totally do every episode and never forget and never have to improvise and make up new ones on the spot. What are you talking about, Andrew? No idea. Maybe it'll make sense eventually. Uh, so, <laughs> so, spe- so while we're in follow-up, I never told you this was follow-up, but this is follow-up. Oh, nice. I was told by Caleb Hoover that Jabari was the one who updated AlgDB uh, when at the cubicle. I'm pretty sure. And I don't think Jabari is with the cubicle yeah, any longer, so that right. would explain why it is floundering around. Yes. And then another follow-up topic related to AlgDB is that somebody designed a new AlgDB-ish thing. Which So are, which one were you thinking of? I was thinking of speedcube.db. Is there another? Or speed, speedcubedb.com, that oh. one? That might be it, yeah. Yeah, okay. I I thought I heard there was another, but that's the one I'm aware of, at least. Yeah, so that, that's the only one I know of. So, do you have any thoughts on speedcubedb.com? Uh, I mean, it's nice. I haven't played around with it too much. I both, basically just watched uh, Jay's video on this. Okay, I haven't actually seen that. I yeah, I mean, he was the one who like made a video that I think in, inspired a lot of people right. to make an actual good. Alg DB yeah, yeah, website. I saw that video. But did he make one specifically about Speedcube DB? He did, yes. Okay, because it was like, oh, hey, it, something happened. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> it is nice though. I like that there are for like three by three, for example. Like you can vote what relative to overall vote for one handed specifically, and vote for like big cubes specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that there's a lot of nice ways of voting things. I also like that it checks like automatically if your case works for it i i think that it the only downside to that is that like someone could spam a case with just like things that technically work but why would you use them um i don't know i haven't tested it out i'm not sure if you could put in like a 200 like, move <laughs> alg um just to troll or, or if there's like some reasonable move limit for mm-hmm. any given case uh, I, I would hope there would be uh but yeah, overall, I mean, it would be. Co- I think one thing that'd be very cool is to have accounts for individuals, like our profiles, where you could see like which algs certain individuals have voted for. Yeah, that's the main thing I want. I think. Yeah, and that, that would like then you could easily like see based on how people have voted, like what their alg list is for particular sets. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the biggest thing. The biggest improvement I can think of is that. Having just like crowd voting on these things isn't always going to get you the best algs at the top. Uh, That's true. Whereas having curated lists where you can tell what one person says are all of their preferences, that's more likely to surface some of the the less commonly known ones that are might be better or more cutting edge stuff right. like that. So you can you there are just going to be there would be certain people who would be like known for having good algs and stuff. Yeah, and that would be really cool to have like profiles that you could follow for algs or things like that. Yeah, that would be also wait maybe ways to like upvote 
like certain people's whole sets rather than just individual algs too Mm -hmm. yeah that would be pretty cool but i mean this is such a big improvement over alg db and that it does more than just two three and actually has big cube stuff in there um i guess it doesn't have square one but (laughs) oh well question mark i don't know (laughs) um but it is nice that people seem to be working on that uh Mm -hmm compared to just kind of dealing with a dead website but like before yeah so i'm not sure if i'm going to be using this to get my zbl logs that i'm learning mm-hmm. or if i i might be better to wait until i don't know like there are other features like that because i know this person i uh, gills zussman mm-hmm. who made this i'm pretty sure they're still actively developing it oh cool uh and like looking for feedback and stuff so Do you mean that you know them personally? You just know that they are working on things? I I believe that they are working on it. Okay. Uh, They sent me a message when they first made it. And they were like, hey, check this out. Give me feedback. So it sounds like like they're still working on it and looking to do more with it. Yeah. And I think the issue with ZBLL2 right now is that the votes are just not there. Mm -hmm. Too. So, I mean... (laughs) Like, I think, like, there are F2L cases that have a decent number of votes, but, like, I'm looking through a lot of, like, ZBLLs, and there nobody has voted on some of these. It, on SpeedCubeDB? Yeah. 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 I don't know what it was like on AlgDB, just because I don't really... AlgDB had a lot of votes, but it, they were all... The algs were really outdated for most of the votes, which, I mean, is going to be a problem here, too. Yeah, what what would be an interesting feature, too, is if, uh, I mean, obviously you need a lot of traffic to justify this, but, like, if people's votes um, phased out over time. Yeah, I can't really imagine there would be enough for the more obscure sets that that would actually work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't know if, like, a way to do it, like, for now would be to, like, only use the most recent 50 votes or something whatever would be the right number rather than do it based on time because time would like phase out votes where you probably still need them for a lot of cases yeah (laughs) yeah i mean the big thing is is really just seeing profiles uh like following profiles on a website like this so you can see what like you know big names have voted for or like what a particular solver uh has voted for and it's a nice way for them to sort of like it, it would also encourage people to that to like you know compile all their algs in one website as you know a big list of stuff i just yeah that's what i really want is just a central place where everybody knows to get algs Mm -hmm. and you don't have to like track down a million different google sheets around the web (laughs) right yeah exactly so definitely a lot of potential here but i i think the profiles are really the big addition that would be nice yeah uh when i was talking to caleb hoover about this he had plenty of other ideas that he thought um would be interesting thing Mm -hmm. interesting and he's talking about trying to make something himself with a couple others and his ideas there or their ideas seem to be a bit more uh like like even more features and stuff that could Mm. sound pretty cool Uh, i don't know how long that's going to take or if they're ever going to work on it but until then we have this and this seems pretty good like kind of being cryptic about these features like secret stuff or uh well i i mean i didn't really necessarily understand exactly what he was saying to be honest uh all right so secret got it (laughs) yeah we'll go with secret uh they're they're like a lot of the ideas were like uh to look at all like take an alg and automatically classify it based on what it does and stuff like that 
mm-hmm. um, and that and then like give ways for a user to like even if if the uh, even if the database doesn't specifically have a TTLL section or something, you could define what a TTLL is, and it'll search all of the algs it knows to see which algs fit that. Okay. So that way you could have you could like look for a partial set that maybe it doesn't have all the information on, but it still has some of the algs stuff like that. I think. Gotcha. Okay. Topics. Topic time. Cake. Oh yes. Cake. I'm always excited to be talking about this topic yeah it's still in the show notes so it must be worth talking about all right now that we're done with that (laughs) because we're talking about jay so much this episode i thought that i'd talk about jay some more here Um, (laughs) so um i wanted to talk about this because um someone did this uh sort of like probability based analysis of four by four parodies Uh, and there's a lot of steps to this, so you're going to have to kind of bear with me a little bit here. Should I be taking notes? <laughs> but basically, um, I, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, so I apologize in advance, but Aryan Kerjwal, I believe is how you say his name. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong, but um, pretty sure people know who I'm talking about. Um, he posted a, a video on YouTube that he took down very quickly because there was a very fi- crucial error made in the analysis uh, but he basically wanted to look at if um, four by four parodies are rigged, which is a weird question. And what he means by this, like, can four by four parodies basically determine the winner of a major event? Okay. Here's the assumptions that went into this. Um, so at a high level, he assumed that getting PLL parody added one second to your time and that getting OLL parody added two seconds to your time pretty simplistic but it also is i don't know i talked with jay about this for a long time because he wanted to get my uh statistical viewpoint which is a very questionable very questionable uh choice to be making but (laughs) it is what it is did he also record a podcast with you at the time so you had to think of an answer on the spot (laughs) Uh, no no i had a lot of time to think about it thankfully so uh i i can think very clearly about all this now um the analysis that uh, Aryan did to kind of figure out, like, basically, what are the chances that somebody might lose just because of the parody luck they get, despite actually being better? Mm-hmm. So the way he looked at this is he said, okay, so the zero one two three basically is like zero seconds added if you have no parody, one for PLL, two for OLL, three for double. Um, simplistic, but when I was talking with Jay, he, you know, I gave him my statistics knowledge, but his like general high level cubing knowledge confirmed with me that those are actually pretty reasonable assumptions for Mm -hmm. time added. There's a lot of like weird nuances here. Like, uh, for example, like if you do have OLL parity that you might be able to see ahead into, uh, other steps, which might actually speed up the non parity parts of the solve. Same with PLL parodies, PLL parity, especially I, I, like there's a lot of, there's, um, tricks. Yeah. There, there's tricks to like anticipate or even just do PLL parody with the PLL. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, like I, there's like a T perm trick I know for sure. Yeah, and I know a Y perm one. Yeah. So there's like a lot of weird things that like don't perfectly line up with this, but you know it it's gonna be pretty close to that. So mm-hmm. his analysis rolled with that assumption basically, um, and um, from there. He, you're looking at an average of five solves, right? And the middle three are what um, count. Mm-hmm. So he decided to ignore the times and just look at the value added by parity. 
And for simplicity, he just dropped the no parody solve and the double parody solve if they existed. Okay. Um, which is not perfect, but at a high level, like, you know, if you have like three seconds added to your time by parodies, it's there's a good chance it's not going to count. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not a, it's not a great assumption, but for the simplicity moving forward, it helped Aryan for whatever reason. And I also, we, Jay and I actually went through AlDB to, um, or not AlDB, um, what's the, uh, Cube Solves, Cube Solves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just talked about AlDB and that <laughs> was on my mind. Um, we went to Cube Solves for like, uh, and looked through a bunch of world record averages, um, to see if the no parody solve was was the best and the most parody solve was the worst. And we actually couldn't find an example of a world record average, but that was the case. But world record averages are also likely to have really good solves in them. Mm-hmm. So it's more likely that that ends up being the case. That being said, anyways, uh, I'm digressing a bit too much. So what that means then is you're going to have three solves that count, right? And if we're just looking at what parity did to those three solves, you're going to have three numbers that are 0, 1, 2, or 3. So to your average, that means that parity will add some multiple of a third from 0 to 3 to your to your time. Because it's going to be 0 through 3 divi- at 3 times divided by 3. So hopefully we'll follow. we're following somewhat by now. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's pretty simple to calculate the... Um, distribution like uh the probability distribution for each of those outcomes if you know we assume that all four outcomes of no parity pll parity ollo parity and double parity are equally likely Mm -hmm. which if there are no advanced tricks is true and from there we can then look at what's the probability that say like say that like someone is one second better parodies aside than another person Mm-hmm. We can look at the probability that they will lose to the person who is worse than them. Yeah. Um, the issue that Aryan made, uh, the biggest issue, was that um, what he did is he looked for the probability that someone would add one second to their average. Mm. Not the probability they would do one second, that, that they would have one second more added than the other person. Yeah. So when you calculate it, if you do like what's the probability you have one or more seconds added to your average by parity, um, it's like 70 percent mm-hmm. using all of these assumptions. But that's a really, really uh, not useful calculation. Yeah, because both people have that same probability. <laughs> right. Yeah. He basically assumed that like second place would always get no parities on all mm-hmm. solves or at least four of the five solves. Which is definitely not a reasonable assumption to make at all. Yeah, for most people. Right. Some so, of us make our own luck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I did is I took the distribution then and just assumed independence and took every possible combination. Uh, and independence isn't really great here either. Because, for example, um, if there's, say, like a really easy 4x4 scramble in the mix... Mm-hmm. Um, it's more likely on easy scrambles that people do the same number of wide turns yeah. or slice turns, what, wh- whichever, you know, those are the ones that affect the OLL parity in the end. It's likely that you, on easy, quote unquote, easy scrambles that you will do similar moves there, which mm-hmm. means that, um, you know, with the same scrambles, people are more likely to actually get similar outcomes rather than different outcomes, which affects independence. Right, but I think it's reasonable to call them independent. Yeah, for the most part, like, 
PLL parity is surely independent because it's so deep in the solve. Yeah. Uh, that that gets determined because that's like in, by edge pairing where uh, <laughs> that gets determined. So uh, hard to believe that that would be that dependent upon each other. But OL parity might have some slight dependencies, mm-hmm. um, but probably not enough to tip the scales too much. That being said, we um, can take a look now at basically all the cases where the favorite competitor gets one more second added than the underdog competitor. Um, And there's some weird things here because there's like ties in this assumption because we can have literally one exact second added. So I just split, uh, I kind of follow what Aryan did with his calculations and just kind of split those probabilities in half, assuming that there would be like, you know, of course, the um, best single as a tiebreaker, most likely. And when you calculate that, instead of 70%, you get about 20%. Okay, that's still a a bit. (laughs) It's still a bit. But, I mean, we're looking at one particular aspect of the solve when, you know, there's a lot of other aspects that happen that, you know, a lot of people are going to do more similarly than uh, than different because you're going to do sa- the same scrambles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I mean, granted, you're going to diverge pretty quickly because 4x4 is a re- not like a long event, but longer than 3x3 three three for sure. Which means that, you know, at the highest level, if you're better than someone else, you know, you're more likely to just do better you know, with doing the same stuff than someone who is worse than you. So, like, this 20%, you know, assumes, like, perfect independence, which really can only happen if everyone gets different scrambles. But with everyone getting the same scrambles, you know, I'd imagine this probability is actually in practice even lower than 20% because of, you know, people getting this, people being in a similar environment, getting similar scrambles, doing similar approaches to those same scrambles. Yeah. Um, at least early on, that prob- it's probably a much lower probability in- than this. Also considering the fact that um, it was a crude assumption to assume that no parity is the best and double parity is the worst too. Um, because if that isn't the case, then it actually becomes even less likely, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Because um, now the value added from parity is a little different. It-, it works a little bit differently there. Yeah. So maybe I guess there are cases where it could add more. I'm not sure. I I actually hadn't thought that through, and I probably shouldn't say things definitively on that uh, without thinking that through. This does make me think about though, um, like what other kinds of luck in solves? Like, what effect does that have? Like, would it be possible to do a similar calculation for, I don't know, like number of moves or something required for, you know, your F12 or for center pairing or something? I just wonder oh, how, how those numbers would come out. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot more complicated. Like, the nice thing about parity is is um, what uh, it's reasonable to make the assumption that whether you get a certain type of parity is purely a coin flip. Yeah, unless you're doing OLL parity uh, avoidance. Right. <laughs> yeah, if you're doing something... I mean, I guess you could do probability-based stuff, like assuming people have no advanced techniques. Like, you could do... Um, you know, there are probabilities for each OLL assuming no edge control, for example. Yeah. And then you could do, you know, some sort of move-based analysis if you assume, like, a, you know, a common OLL list and a common PLL list or something. Yeah, because there are just sudden cases that are faster than others. So there's always... Mm-hmm. Like, there's luck involved in all sorts of aspects of cubing, so... Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you could do some sort of really deep analysis on base, like, could does last layer rig 
<laughs> your uh three by does last layer luck rig three by three and yeah you, know, <laughs> you could assign times to each uh case and then figure it out that way with so many options there though i'd imagine that some sort of simulation based method would be better than trying to calculate that directly <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah you could do some approach there it just uh would be a lot more tedious and probably a lot less interesting than the four by four parody case because you know four by four parodies can be pretty brutal yeah i guess the way i usually think about like the way luck interacts with cubing skill is that in order to like be reasonably assured you're gonna win you have to be good enough to the point that it that even if somebody else gets lucky you're gonna beat them anyway right and that's so it's just like there's a different threshold for me for being like like just knowing I'm going to beat someone. It's it's the same really for like any game or sport or anything. Totally. Like, yeah. It's just maybe maybe it's a bit there's a bit more of a you know, maybe that gap is a little bit larger for 4 by 4 than other events. Yeah, I mean one thing a lot of people don't realize like especially if you're like a sports fan, you know, is that the often the person who is you know rec- should be recognized as the best at that moment doesn't necessarily win. Yeah. Um, the people, the winners obviously get re- the recognition, but it's, you know, it's very common that the, the people who win championships or the teams that win championships, if you're talking about like team sports, are not the best in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or they were the best in that moment, but they might not have been the most skilled team or the skilled player. Yeah. We just often recognize the champion is like, you know, the best in the world right then and there, but it's not necessarily the case. Yeah, there's all sorts of factors. Yeah, totally. I mean, especially if you look at American sports, I'm like, think I, I, I envy Europeans that have leagues where you know you have a regular season and you determine the winner by whoever had the best record in that season. Yeah, that's so much more fair than the oh, way we do it here. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, let's let you know we have sports leagues that like let you know half of the teams into a playoff. You know, it, <laughs> especially baseball, like I love baseball, but the playoffs drive me up the wall. Like you play a 162 game season, <laughs> you, you play 162 games to pick 10 teams of 30 to go to some playoff where all of a sudden, um, you know, the first round, it's literally one game for the uh, bottom four teams to advance. And then there are five game series and then two two rounds of seven game series that somehow determined the whole champion like <laughs> i don't know there have been some teams that like in the regular season were barely over 500 like you know barely won more than half their games and somehow they end up being the world champions because they just happened to get hot <laughs> at the right time yeah <laughs> like they're clearly not the best team is like they were the luckiest and hottest team in that moment but like they couldn't it's not that like they were not a team that could sustain success over long periods of time and granted i mean there are advantages because like in sports you have injuries and stuff too and um you know like regular season can be can a regular season focused league can be kind of unlucky for teams that like get bit by injury bugs you know Mm -hmm. um and like you know maybe you get your whole team together by playoff time and you do deserve it like that does happen but more often than not, I feel like in sports, we uh, glorify playoffs uh, as the way to determine the best team when it's like, this is just a crapshoot. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, it's I, yeah, it's like sure, like 20% chance or whatever it is. You know, it's probably lower than that. But whatever the percent chance is that you lose in 4x4 four four because of parodies, like, 
you kind of just have to accept that that's part of competing and part of determining, you know, a world <laughs> championship by one particular moment. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just threw a wall of text at you. Yeah. <laughs> just to, here, here's yep. here's this agree, big though. wall of text here, and you kind of you kind of like TLDR'd it. Yep. Or TRDL'd it. T to read didn't long. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, did I? <laughs> you said it right the first time, and then you corrected it to the wrong thing. <laughs> well, I guess I no. I was trying to say to TLDL is what I meant to say. Like too long oh. didn't listen, <laughs> but then I ended up just switching the two letters. <laughs> so the Rubik's the the so the Rubik's. Uh, <laughs> Rubik's have brand. You, have you heard about the Rubik's? <laughs> uh, the Rubik's has come out with uh, uh, their own smart cube, the Rubik's Connect Cube. Mm-hmm. It's basically a Go Cube that doesn't do rotations. Yeah, it's a Go Go Cube, but worse. Yes. <laughs> well, better and worse because it is actually cubic and not pillowed. So, like, turning quality-wise, it might be better. And I think a lot of people agree that the Rubik's Connected Cube is a better cube, like, performance-wise than the Go Cube. Okay, that is true. I wonder how much people in general value the rotation tracking. Because um, for me, that's, like, the most important thing, because I like doing these, like, weird puzzles where you look at only the screen and not the cube. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, are people actually using these things for, like, reconstructing solves or, like, racing against people? Because I feel like that is just not, like, a real use case, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, like, the lowest hanging fruit for how to use, go like, the Go Cube or other smart cubes. Like, I mean, one of the main reasons that Rubik's made their connected cube is they wanted to, you know, do this online competition uh, mm-hmm. through Red Bull that net people with Go Cubes or Rubik's connected cubes can use uh, to compete. And there's a lot of controversy over that right now because Rubik's basically sent, you know, all these connected cubes to like fast cubers and people they sponsor. And like, you know, a qualifier just finished, I believe, for Rubik's. And. Tons of people just had to use Go cubes because they weren't given a connected cube. Like, it's such a weird, weird thing that we're in 2020 and, like, there's a major cubing competition where there's, like, (laughs) hardware disadvantages and hardware accessibility (laughs) issues. Although, I'm sure that happens, like, random points when, like, you know... Like, for example, when the Haze came out a few years ago, you Mm -hmm. know, like, Kevin had been using it for months before, you know, the public had access to it. So it does happen, but it's kind of weird because, like, this competition basically limits you to two specific cubes only. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't I didn't have too much more to say about that. I just thought it was interesting that they came out with, with one based on the Go Cube, but didn't add the best part of the Go Cube. Right. Or what I think is the best part of the Go Cube. Yeah, because the, the <laughs> rotation tracking on the Go Cube is pretty solid. It's much better than any other smart cube out there. Yeah. And, like, that is so useful if you want to do actually cool things with uh the with smart cubes like um for example like have we talked about uh like lucas garen's like vr cube before no we haven't no okay because he he did some sort of uh thing where like you he you put oh wait hold on hold on hold on did you hear did you hear it i did hear it (laughs) okay good that was for uh you know, probably a few sentences ago at this point, but it was relatively recent. I just remembered that you said the right thing. <laughs> Perfect. Um, 
as I was saying, Lucas Garen, um, like he's been testing a lot of fun stuff with Go Cubes that goes beyond like the basics of just competing with people and mm-hmm. like reconstructing stuff, which is like cool and all, but like not the reason smart cubes should be a thing. But um, this VR thing he made, he basically you use like the cube as a controller and you have like a VR headset on to like look around the cube. And you could do a lot of like crazy things with it. Like I think you can make it like Im- like impossibly large too. <laughs> and then in that case, um, I think it, he turns off the rotations for that sp- particular case. But you like walk around, so you have to like walk in a large area to like see around oh, nice. the cube and <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but yeah, he's been doing a lot of fun things with like VR with cubes and things of that nature too. So. You know, I guess some of that wouldn't require rotation tracking, but I feel like a lot of cool things with cubing, <coughs> cubing 99, um, <laughs> would, um, you know, really depend on that kind of rotation tracking. Yeah, and, and even stuff like, uh, like where it sets up, like, like cubing practice stuff, like setting up algs and stuff. Uh, like, I think there's a thing, I don't know. I might have to make my own version of it at some point soon, but like an alg trainer where it just like shows you an alg on the cube and then you execute it. Mm-hmm. It would be a lot nicer to be able to rotate your cube around and, you know, look at it instead of having the disconnect between the physical puzzle in your hand and the one on the screen. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I think honestly just like the rotation aspect of a smart cube is so useful for like presentation purposes too. Mm-hmm. Like if you're streaming or teaching people like on a streamer with, you know, even like in a like a classroom kind of setting, if you're teaching multiple people, uh, just like the ability to have like a cube that you hold and then like you could project, you know, your phone display so everyone can see what you're doing mm-hmm. uh, is just such a cool concept. Um, and there's a lot that you could do with that more than just like a generic non-rotating smart cube can. Now I've now I have to come up with a, a good reason that I can teach a Rubik's Cube class and do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but yeah, that's all. That's all I wanted to say about that. Okay, it's a little bit weird, I think, that they came out with that, and like you were saying, the whole thing with the competition. But I guess it's cool to have another one on the market, even though it doesn't really have any advantages over the ones that already exist. Oh, uh, it's cheap. That's one advantage, I, I guess. guess. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just kind of another one that's out there. Yep. So I, I forget how long ago this was, but I feel like it was like a month ago or so. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we were you were doing your Twitch stream, and we basically came up with like rules for like a cubing mafia, mm-hmm. um, which was fun. But man, it uh, it was brutal for me. Uh, and, and to be clear, mafia the game, not mafia the organization. Yes, that is true. So <laughs> some sort of social deception game where there are two teams, a large team that wants to solve the cube and a smaller team that is trying to not solve the cube. Yeah, and they're all working together manipulating the cube. We, we basically came up with a very simple rule set for that that we could play with Twitch chat uh, and Kit spent a long time doing that uh (laughs) i basically sat back and let him do all the work because originally i was planning to like manage it in some way but it just ended up being easier for kit to do everything rather than be relaying stuff to him yeah it it was probably better because since you were actually streaming for you to kind of talk more directly about what is happening to some extent but it's kind of also hard because like talking about it could influence the players so yeah (laughs) uh 
so I, I don't know if I don't know if that was the way we did it. Probably wasn't the mo- most ideal situation. Yeah, we were winging it, just kind of like how we record podcasts. Uh. Yeah, but it was fun, and it gave me a really good idea for another version of this game that I think would work better. Um, but it wouldn't be on Twitch, or at least it wouldn't involve Twitch chat. But let's see. Let's talk about exactly the rules we used for the Twitch version. Yeah. So basically, I randomly picked an order for the people to play in, and a scramble was given. And basically, um, each person would apply one move at a time to the cube and would get to sort of see what moves people applied. And once everyone applied one move to the cube, everyone could start discussing what they thought of people's moves they applied to the cube and could defend why they made their particular move. And the goal was for, you know, like good the good guys to solve the cube and the bad guys to prevent people from solving the cube, but also try not to, you know, be obviously bad so that they get voted out. <laughs> yeah. Of the solver group yeah so then then after each after each set of moves you would vote on somebody and then they're just out of the game yeah i I think the biggest problem with the way we did it is that there was no real reason that the mafia couldn't just like make good moves and then use the fact that there's more of the or that that like they know who each other are and can kind of vote together Mm -hmm. to just like vote out all of the good people until they've got a 50 50 split and it's like they don't have to start messing up the solve until much later in the solve Right. Yeah, I think what was interesting about the game we played is that, like, um, a lot of people just started voting for others because they were like, why did you do that? And they were just trying their best, but just didn't know what was going on in certain yeah, or, steps. Yeah, or they were, like, doing something that was better than what everyone else was doing. Like, one person tried to do a, an optimal solution for I think it was an, an F12 case. case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just nobody else there knew what that optimal solution was. They were like, why'd you do an L2 in the middle of F12? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So there's like, it's a weird game when people have like different levels of cubing knowledge, but I think it makes it, it would be more interesting in person because you'd have like an actual, you know, way to converse with each other about why you made that move. Maybe it would have been more interesting too if like we just had like voice chat or communications of that were more live and not just text chat. But you seem to have a way that you think this would work well in person. Well, I think what this is missing is a bit more confusion about what moves were applied when. Because with this, it was very clear, like, who applied each move. So if any move was, like, clearly doing something to mess up the puzzle, mm-hmm. then it would be easy to see that and see who did it. So I think that if we were to do this in, like, a real-life version, it would be cool to pass a cube around, and you don't see it before or after it's in your hands. But you can talk about, like, what the state was while you had it. Uh, and that that gives an opportunity for people to be like, yeah, when I got it, like it had these two moves wrong with it that I need to undo. And then like the people before them can be like, no, that's not true. You, you, you're you just using that as an excuse t- for the one move wrong that you that you messed <laughs> right, up or, right. you know, stuff like that. Um, I think that not being able to see the cube at all points would make it uh, work better. Yeah, I mean, there's already enough confusion, though, about who was bad like in the game we played and i feel like that would make it even harder on the people to try to figure out who is making bad moves yeah maybe um it might might be better to like make it so that uh there's a smaller number of people on the mafia team and that way they just have to like keep they have to actually like from the start be messing stuff up otherwise the cube's gonna get solved too quickly 
and stuff right. like that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's an interesting game to like if cubing competitions were happening right now. It would be fun to like have a group of like 10 to 12 people like sit in a circle and do it. Like I think yeah. that what might be an int- just in- having doing the same rules in person might be interesting enough just because there's no record of who did what move. Mm-hmm. Um like even if you're everyone just sits in a circle for example. Um and like passes the cube around. Um it's even if everyone can watch like a cube is small like it's hard to see what people are exactly <laughs> doing you know unless you're sitting right next to them and just saw what they did and especially too if like you put like a, a pretty short time limit on applying a move yeah that's what i was just thinking because if you can sit there and look at it for a long time then yeah because like if, if there's some sort of time limit that you can always like you know have like the fallback of like i didn't know what to do yeah <laughs> and like you know like if you're on f2l and someone like opens a slot to start a case and you were just kind of like oh maybe close slot pass or something <laughs> you know yeah you you could reasonably argue that it was just like i didn't know what was going on so i just put it back <laughs> um and that gives some more deniability for people who are trying to do something different like maybe the like you know the l2 that like tommy applied in our game like maybe you could as a mafia member like say like oh i thought it was this case like i didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of time to recognize it but i thought it was this case and you throw like a random move that's awful in reality <laughs> in, but you can try to argue like yeah i just misrecognized that case yeah it's it would be interesting to try it in person i feel like it would work better in person um, totally the way it worked out on the stream was, yeah, that basically, like, nobody in the Mafia ever got voted out. <laughs> yep, nobody did, just because every single time someone, there was someone who did a move that people really didn't like, they were trying their hardest, just uh, got voted because they were not doing the cube part right. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, like, the Mafia immediately would point it out, and, like, as soon as one or two people pointed it out, it felt like everybody was agreeing that that was a bad move, but really, it was just the Mafia talking oh, about yeah. how it was a bad move. Right. Yeah, so the Mafia was really, like, carrying all the discussion really yeah. hard. <laughs> um, and, I mean, the thing, too, is, like, didn't we have, like, 12 players or something with four Mafia, I think it was? Yeah. Um, which is a normal balance for most, like, social deception-style games. Um, like, you basically have four free chances in this to try to get some Mafia member out before you lose. Yeah. Uh, immediately, because of just being outnumbered. It, I don't know, it was a very weird uh, game that, that like, no Mafia member, even, you know, even just by dumb luck, got voted out, you know? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think a big part of it was that Mafia were specifically targeting good people who made bad moves. Yep. And, honestly, maybe if Mafia just didn't know who their teammates were, that it would be more interesting because they... That's a good point, yeah. They w- wouldn't be... They'd be more afraid to target people who made bad moves because they'd be like, oh, maybe that's my teammate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know, though. Yeah, that could be a good fix, actually. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's kind of a weird social deception game to, for the small team to, like, not know who their teammates are because that's usually their big advantage. Yeah, it is weird. It kind of removes some of the social aspect of it. But yeah. I don't know. Might be necessary for balance. Maybe, yeah. So we've come to the end of our show, and we're going to do, you know, the segment that we always do at the end of our show. Which, Every time. Which is our food debate. Yep. So... Last time we talked about is hot dog a sandwich? 
Mm-hmm. Um, we are now going to move on to is Pop Tart a ravioli? All right, I'm ready. All right. Um, let's see. So obviously, we should talk about the characteristics of ravioli first. You got some kind of carbohydrate on the outside, mm-hmm. some kind of filling. Uh, eat it hot. I don't know. To me, it's sounding pretty clearly like Pop Tart is a ravioli. So the the thing is, is do does ravioli requ- is ravioli required to be savory? You mean you haven't had savory pop tarts? <laughs> Have, are there savory pop? tarts? No, I don't think there are. Okay, um, <laughs> you're probably right. You're probably right. Probably right. All right. Uh, I'm not. I mean, I'm not experienced in pop tarts, but I feel like they are. Mm, hmm. I don't know. Is it is a sweet pop tart? Or no? Wait. Hold on. That's all of them. Uh, is a sweet ravioli a pop tart? is yeah maybe we should maybe we're asking the wrong question we should be asking if ravioli is a pop tart (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i feel like it's more likely that pop tart is like a narrow scope of ravioli if anything Mm -hmm. if it's if one contains the other that pop tart is probably contained within ravioli rather than vice versa that's good point yeah but um i i would I seem to believe that there's some sort of either ingredient difference or um, uh, like a taste difference between the two. Like pop tarts, I mean, obviously are sweet and ravioli. Ra- ravioli, ravioli <laughs> is typically savory. Although you know, you I've had like pumpkin ravioli kind of can border on like mm. sweet sometimes. That's true. Um, Even like certain kinds of like, if your ravioli has like ricotta or something in it, it's mm-hmm. pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure there are tons of sweet-ish, like, kind of, like, somewhere hovering in sweet and savory kind of raviolis that are out mm-hmm. there. Um, but, like, I don't know, like, Pop-Tarts are more, like, a sort of, like, a dough substance where, like, po- like it's more, ravioli is more like a pasta. Yeah, there's a definite texture difference between the, the enclosures. Mm-hmm. Yes. They definitely are both, incl- like, you know, b- bread-like enclosures that have a filling yeah of some variety then that would also you i think we might also want to bring into this discussion whether or not dumplings are ravioli or vice versa um maybe that's more the interesting question here yeah i feel like ravioli might just be a dumpling (laughs) is ravioli a dumpling oh man and then we have to start asking if pop tart is a dumpling (laughs) (laughs) because there are definitely sweet dumplings yeah (laughs) oh boy uh (laughs) so well going back to pop tart and ravioli do you ever serve uh pop tarts in a sauce hmm because ravioli you never eat i imagine you could you could but like do you ever like you know eat ravioli in like a marinara i mean clearly you eat ravioli in a marinara sauce do you ever eat like pop tarts in a sauce like marinara no no you don't so is that enough of a distinction too that like one is like meant to be like a standalone eating thing where another is Mm. you know something that is meant to be like put in a sauce and like eaten yeah there's also the question of quantity um a question of what quantity oh yes uh where you don't necessarily like you eat like two pop tarts at once right Mm -hmm. at most whereas you eat like several ravioli although i guess you can have some big ravioli that you don't eat that much of um 
Yeah. So here's here's the Wikipedia definition of a dumpling. Going back to this now. Okay. Okay. Um, this is kind of interesting. So dumpling is a broad classification for a dish that consists of pieces of dough wrapped around a filling or okay. of dough with no filling. The dough can be based on bread, flour, or potatoes. It may be filled with meat, fish, cheese, vegetables, fruits, or sweets. So I think pretty clearly then both ravioli and Pop-Tarts are dumplings. I, yeah, I th- it seems to me that like there, there's like a classification go- of dumplings going on here, where yeah, I, I'm starting to believe that ravioli and pop tarts are disjoint family members of the dumpling family. They're cousins, yeah. Yeah. The thing is, like, do you toast dumplings? I, I think you can you can cook dumplings a variety of ways. Yeah, like okay. you could you could cook them on the stovetop. You could boil them. You can bake them. You you don't want to discriminate by uh, the cooking method here, is what you're saying. Yeah, I think I think toasting is similar enough to uh, like pan frying. They're they're similar enough <laughs> that uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, like pop tarts were you know cooked previously cooked in some other method, probably similar to a, like how you might cook a dumpling, you know, fresh. Yeah. So. That's totally fair. Yeah, if we're looking at the definitions here, ravioli is defined as a type of pasta, mm-hmm. right? Right, right. Um, which I think Pop-Tarts are not pasta. So I think you're on to something here. With the, They're both dumplings. They're just different kinds of dumplings. Yeah, I, I, think that's, I think this is the satisfying answer. I'm glad we can mostly agree on this here. Agreed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we're talking about the family of dumplings, one of which inclo- includes Pop-Tarts. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a good discussion. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that we always do this in every episode. Yeah. Be sure to join us next week for our lightning round discussion on whether cucumber is a fruit or a vegetable (laughs) and whether almond milk is actually milk.